Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. I am so thrilled to be with you today. I love coming home. And uh, I love especially coming home on a day like today. Because, uh, you know, this church has, has had a powerful effect around the world uh, with its giving. And um, I've got to say, I am always proud of you. I tell every time I come and see you, I tell you I'm proud of you and boast about you and the great things that you're doing. But today is such a special day. It's uh, one day. You know, we, our fellowship has been doing one day now for probably about 10 years. And we've given in one day over two and a half million dollars. And this year we're hoping we'll get to that $3 million. It'd be lovely, wouldn't it? And that has brought transformation and change to a huge multitude of people around the world. See, the whole purpose of One Day is that our missionaries right now have projects ready to go. They've been working on this for months. They give us their projects. We have a look at their projects. We evaluate their projects with them. And then when the money comes in from One Day, the money is immediately as quickly as you give it to us, and we can send it to them. Uh, and so they begin on the project immediately so that we can start straight away. It's not put in the bank. It's not put away for another time. It's not you know, invested for the future. It's immediately used. So every penny of one day is spent immediately. And there are people around the world just waiting to be helped. There are missionaries who have projects ready to go right now, significant, really important projects that will transform and change lives, that will bring water to villages and educate children and, and, you know, build churches and train leaders and do all sorts of amazing things. Uh, and that's why I love being here on this day, because you're the largest one-day giver in the country. You really are. And I know that today, uh, as a result of your generosity and your giving, that a whole lot of people are going to be amazingly blessed. And, and that, to me, is significant because that, to me, is an expression of the nature of this church. You see, this church was planted by God. Uh, I won't go into the history of the place. It's not that pretty. But it was planted by God. And many times it should have failed. But God stood with this church. And God has raised up a strong church. And that strong church has had a powerful impact around the world. It's part of the reason for our being. It's why we are here. It's God's plan for this church. And uh, for a little while, I committed myself to that. And Pastor Matt has come along, and, and he has just taken that on and uh, powerfully, passionately, enthusiastically worked hard and seen this church grow and seen that uh, impact of that church enlarge. There are people all over the world who are blessed because of this church in places you'll never go. Uh, in villages and small communities that you'll never hear of. I've been to some of them, and, and they are blessed because of you. And they know about you, and you don't know about them. And there are multitudes of people who you'll never meet, and they'll never meet you. You will never know their name, but they know your name. They know Faith Christian Church. And to them, it's a church of significance. It's famous to them because of the things that we have done in their community and, and for their community. So, you know, when you look at this church and you'll go home from church today and you'll say that was a great church service and maybe you'll think Faith Christian Church is all about Sunday service and you'd be wrong because, you see, the activity of this church is not the Sunday service. 
There's so much that goes on in our own community here, uh, so much that goes on around the nation and around the world, that what you see is a small fraction of actually what this church is doing. Because this is the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. And more goes on that you never see than you will ever see. Because more goes on overseas than happens here. More is done there than is done here. More lives are being changed and transformed every single day all over the world. And it all happens because that's the vision of the church. That's the purpose of its being here. And that's the passion that this church has. And if you share that passion and you share that vision and you, you engage with each other here, then you're part of something that's really big and significant, really doing something important. You see, really, there'll come a day, I suppose, when you come to the end of your life and you'll think about the nice cars that you had and the nice house that you had. And maybe you'll even think about the children you had and the wonderful holidays that you had and all the good things that you have. And, but you know what? None of those things will give you significance. And you'll come to the end of your life and you'll ask yourself a question. Yeah, but what did I really achieve? What did I achieve? It's a certificate on the wall. It's nice. Your position, your title is nice. But what have you really achieved? What difference have you made? And I want to say to you, it's times like this which give all of us a greater significance than we would otherwise have. It's part of God's plan for us to be people of significance. And this is how we express it, and this is how we achieve it. And through the church, we together can do some pretty amazing things. Amen. And we can see lives change. We'll never see them all, but we'll know. We will know we had significance because we're part of a group of people who shared a vision, and we sowed into that vision, and we had significance together. Amen? Oh, thank you, both of you. So that's why I'm pleased to be with you today, because I, I, I don't have a problem in asking you to give when you are giving to people who are in desperate need. You see, it says in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. You already have it with you. Huh? The New Living Translation says of that, uh, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to help them. So this is kingdom, biblical perspective. This is the way God tells us to live our life. It's very different to the way of the world. The way of the world is driven by self-interest and greed. That's the fundamental motivation of all economics and, uh, and all the stuff that you see. And when you go into a shopping center, it's just a greed fest, isn't it, really? You think about it. You see, there was a man by the name of Adam Smith. He wrote a book in 1700 and something. It was the first text ever written on economics. He called it the wealth of the nations. And in that book, he analyzes what drives wealth. If you want to understand how wealth is created by nations, what drives it? What are the factors? He said the number one factor that drives the acquisition of wealth is greed. All economies, all nations, all shops, all businesses are founded upon greed. Now, I know we don't like the idea that we are greedy, but fundamentally we are. When you walk into a shopping center, they're appealing to your greed. 
The person trying to sell you something wants to sell it to you whether you need it or not, whether you want it or not, because they are greedy. Isn't that right? How many times do you get a telephone call, somebody offering you some amazingly wonderful, fantastic deal on your phone or your electricity or something like that, and you say, no, I'm all right, thank you. No, 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 no. And they will insist on telling you that they can save you money. Why? Because they make money, not you. It's greed that drives most things. That's the essence of the way the world works, okay? That's the way it is. And if everybody stopped being greedy, then no business could survive, right? I mean, let's face it, you go to work for one primary reason, money. If you had money, you might not work at all. Most of you wouldn't. But we go to work because we want the money, because we need and want certain things. I'm not criticizing it. It's the way it is. When Jesus came, he wants to point you to something else. See, the kingdom principle is not driven by greed. It's driven by love. It's not based on acquiring. It's actually based on giving because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is kingdom principle, and we have to understand that if we're going to be kingdom people, we're going to be followers of Christ, we're going to call ourselves a Christian, then we have to change the values by which we live. I'm not suggesting that that means you can't run a business. Of course you can. But fundamentally, underneath the passion, the main driving force is not that of greed. Hmm? It's a biblical idea. And that biblical idea is seen in this verse of Scripture. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. See, what the Bible says about the poor is that they deserve to be helped. No, that is not a common idea. Common idea, of course, is if you're poor, it's because you're lazy. Or maybe you just, you know, you, you, maybe it's just because maybe you're lazy, maybe you're just stupid, maybe you're poor because you're bad at financial management, maybe you're poor because you come from this terrible background because people like you and, and, and people of your type and people of your culture, and, and that's why they're poor, because they're lazy and they're stupid and they're ignorant and they're whatever. We, we tend to label the poor and say they deserve it. Some religions will tell you they deserve it. Some religions will tell you that poverty is a result of what somebody did in a previous life, and now they're being punished for it or given the opportunity to improve for the next life that's coming around. There's all sorts of things people think about poverty to sort of justify their lack of a response to it. But what the Bible says is poor people deserve your help. They deserve it. See, most religions of the world don't see poor people deserving help. They see poor people being punished for something. But the biblical view is they're not being punished. And they're not poor because they're stupid. And they're not poor because they're lazy. They're poor because they have not had the opportunity that the rest of us have had. And so they deserve to be helped. That's the biblical idea. It changes our perspective of the world and of people all around us and of people who are in desperate need. And then it says something else, which is quite challenging to all of us because it says, now the poor deserve to be helped. By who? By you. We'd all love the government to help the poor, wouldn't we? That's the government's responsibility, right? Feed all the poor, fix up the problems. But the government can only do that if it spends your money. 
But you want your money, don't you? You want an increase in the unemployment benefit. You want an increase in pension. You want a reduction in your taxes. You want, you want, you want. And yet at the same time, that same institution that has to do that for you must also feed all the poor and take care of the poor of the world. It's impossible. It's crazy thinking. Jesus knew the governments weren't going to do it. He said that it's the responsibility of his people to care for the poor. His people. Governments don't change the world. Ideologies don't change the world. But the people of God can change the world. So he says, it is in our power to help. You see, most of us don't think we have that power. We think that we are actually powerless. But that's not what the Bible says. When the Bible talks to you and me, it doesn't say that we are powerless. It says we have a power. We have a power to help. Of course, we say, no, we don't. Because, because, because we got, we, 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 you know, I, I got a credit card to pay, I got a mortgage to pay, I got a car to pay for, I, I got, I, I got, and I, I, I can't, I don't have, but the Bible says, yes, you do, you have the power. And what is the power? The Bible says you have the power, and that power is in your hand. You have it. Now, it's your power. And you think about this. The Bible is saying that you have something that is perhaps seemingly insignificant to you. Change in your pocket. You have something that doesn't require you to sell your house or sell your car or live a life of poverty. But you have, still have power nevertheless. That power is that thing that you have now. Let me explain to you this way. You see this bottle of water here? This bottle of water... It will take more than 10%, nearly 20% of the world, four back-breaking to five back-breaking days of hard labor to purchase that bottle of water. And yet we think nothing about it. Two days for a large proportion of the world, back-breaking labor, 10-hour days to buy one cup of coffee. And we don't even think about it. You see, that cup of coffee is your power. That bottle of water is your power. You have resources that you think are insignificant, that are not important, that you don't think about. You can make a sacrifice that will never affect you, but it will transform the lives of multitudes of poor people. Multitudes. You have Power, 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 the thing we all want, power, the thing we seek, and yet we have it, the power to do good, the power to transform lives. I'm not talking about some superhero power. I'm not talking about power that sizzles and ooh, send the power, I want power, but you've got the power, life transforming power is in your hand if you will use it properly that's what one day is about see one day when you do this it asks you for a sacrifice of one day's wages if you're on a pension what does that work out for one day Hmm? one day one day and you'll recover quickly from that sacrifice But for the rest of their life, people will benefit from that sacrifice. 
what you do today in one small moment of time with a relatively small sacrifice will be a lifetime of change. It'll make a lifetime of difference. It will save people from poverty and oppression, slavery, ignorance, disease, suffering. That's the power you have. It's in your hand. You have it right now. It belongs to you. Are you using your power to help those who deserve to be helped? Or are you following the way of the world and using it for yourself only? Last week, it was on the news. This is how I know. There was a shoe shop opened in Chadston. I don't know the name because I'm totally uninterested. <laughs> but what fascinated me was they were interviewing people who had stayed all night to be first in the door at this new shoe shop. It only sells sneakers, you know, sneakers, mass-produced, plastic and rubber, a few bit of foam in there, stitched on a machine. So what? I mean, it's not Italian handmade leather. It's just junk with a brand stamped on it, right? I don't know, no doubt it feels comfortable, but you know what? Give it a year, they'll throw it away. Point is, it's a disposable item that looks good. I'm not knocking it. I've got sneakers too. All of you wear sneakers? God bless you. The Lord's <laughs> peace be upon you. But the point is this. They queued up overnight, went into the store, they paid three, five, seven, eight hundred dollars for one pair of sneakers, which will probably last about one year. They interviewed the first guy through the door. They asked him, did he buy sneakers? Oh, yeah, he's got a bag. How many sneakers? He bought five pairs of sneakers for a guy that only has one pair of feet. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? It doesn't to me, you see. That's just greed. That's wasting your power. Yeah? A week before that, they brought out the new iPhone. You know the new one? The really good one? Not like the one you have now, which is useless? <laughs> you know, man? There were people queued outside the door for hours to go and trade in a useless old one-year-old iPhone for the brand new one and pay over a thousand bucks for the privilege. Because it's got a better camera. Can you believe it? Have you seen a picture from the new iPhone camera? I can't tell the difference. I cannot tell the difference. And what are you going to do with the picture of the camera? I'll tell you, nothing. You won't do anything. You keep it on your phone and you show it to people. So you take a picture with a camera that is wonderful to show them a picture which is about this big on a phone. Or post it so that you can get a few likes on it. But nobody who was liking it knew what phone you were using because it couldn't tell the difference whatever phone you were using. But they'll throw away a perfectly good phone to get the latest one. Is there something obscene about that? Or am I the only one that can see how ridiculous it is? It's nonsense. We have created a generation of obsessive consumerism. And the television appeals to you on it. And all the advertisements appeal to you all the time. What you've got is useless. You need the newest one. The best one. The biggest one. The one with the most pixels is always the best, right? 
Isn't that right? Happy life, more pixels. Yeah? It's crazy. We live in a mad world. But can you see what I'm trying to say to you? We will use all that. We will participate in that. We have accepted that culture. We've, we've taken on that viewpoint of the world. And we wonder why, wonder why we lack a sense of significance. Because the big pixels on your TV and the new watch and the new phone and the new sneakers give you no sense of significance. Only importance, and it's a false importance because you're not important to anybody but yourself. Wow. It's just wasted. Now, I'm not telling you, don't buy a new pair of sneakers. You need sneakers, go buy them. You need a new phone, go buy it. I'm talking about the philosophy of this age. I'm talking about maybe as Christians, we ought to put that on the side and say, maybe if I did without the new phone for a year and spent the money in helping the poor that I would have spent on the new phone, then you'll be able to buy the newer new phone next year. And you wouldn't have missed this year's new phone. Do you see what I'm saying? No. Okay, fair enough. I just think it's crazy. I sometimes think I live in a mad world. The world's gone mad. See, one day is about this. It's giving what we can to the needy. Making a sacrifice. Maybe we won't buy five pairs of sneakers. Maybe we won't buy the new phone. We'll just give up one day's salary. And maybe that's a sacrifice because maybe you won't be able to buy your coffees and your lattes this week. And maybe you won't be able to have your mashed avo for breakfast. And maybe you won't be able to buy those six bottles of water this week and throw your money down the drain when you could have got it out the tap. But anyway, <laughs> that's a sacrifice you will soon recover from. You're not going to die. But you can save a life who would die without it. So today, every one of us, me included, I'll be giving. Your pastoral staff will be giving. Pastor Matt will be giving. It's not for us. We give too. We're just like you. But today, today, each of us can help a desperate mother keep a child from being sold. You can buy a child for $35 and a bag of rice if you come with me. Or you can help the mother keep the child. Every one of us has the power of today to help bring families out of desperate poverty and transform whole communities. And we'll do that today by what you give. You and I together this morning can provide a refuge for vulnerable mothers and children. Clean water for an entire village. Do you know what mothers sell their children into prostitution for? Do you know how much run about? Average price throughout Asia, around about 30 bucks to spend a lifetime in sexual slavery. You got 30 bucks in your wallet. I'm not, but I'm just saying. You see what I'm saying? The power. If we can help those parents so they're not desperate enough to sell a child into sexual slavery for 30 bucks, if we can help them grow their own food, if we can help them overcome their poverty, if we can show them the way out of that crippling poverty, then we're going to do life-changing things. Life-changing things. That's your power. You have a superpower. You haven't got x-ray vision and you can't fly but you can save people from poverty and slavery and death.
by a small sacrifice. 80% of the world today live on less than $10 a day. 10% of the world live on less than $2 a day. And remember, they get that money by working much harder than you would ever like to. One day like that, you probably wouldn't work for the rest of the week. More than 660 million people are without sanitation today. And they live on $2 a day. You go home, sit down, flush, and you don't realize that that puts you in the top part of the world as an extremely wealthy, blessed, and privileged individual. A friend of mine went to a place in Asia. He said he needed to go to the toilet. They gave him a stick, a fairly long stick with a sharp end. He asked, what am I supposed to do with that? They said, well, just go out there and go to the toilet. They pointed him out into the jungle. He asked for toilet paper. They said, it grows on trees around here. So we went out, and he did his business, and he put the stick on the ground next to him. He couldn't figure out what it was for, so he does his business, and he takes the, excuse me, but it's not lunchtime yet, is it? He took the leaves off the tree, and before he could get any further, he could hear the sound. And here came the wild pigs. That's what the stick was for, so that he could keep the pigs away while he finished off. That was normal, everyday practice for those people. He thought it was a dreadful thing. They laughed. You blokes, so soft. You sit on a white thing, it's cold. Get up, press the button, and forget about it. Here, we feed the pigs. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, the power that we have to bring transformation to people's lives. 385 million people live on less than $1 per day. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children will die today because of poverty. Today, 22,000 children died yesterday. 22,000 children will die tomorrow. When you add up the number of children that die in poverty in a year around the world, it is more than the entire population of children in Europe. This is a problem. They need help. And you have the power to do something. It's sitting in your hand. Half of the world's children live in poverty. I know you could say, well, that's their parents' fault. They shouldn't have had kids. But how can you not have kids when you don't have contraception? Hmm? And how can you live in that sort of environment and live with that sort of ideologies around about you? And then you expect people... To, to not have children? It's crazy. It's just simply crazy. But we can help. We have the power to help. So first I want to say to you today, you are going to exercise, perhaps without even realizing it, amazing power when you give to one day. Life-transforming power for somebody else. You will sacrifice a little bit of personal pleasure. You may even experience some short-term personal pain and inconvenience. But as a result of that, you will exercise life-changing power in people's lives. And I guarantee it because I'm the one in charge of where the money goes, and I will make sure it goes there. 
And I will make sure it will go direct to people who are in need. I'll make sure. That's what I do. I make sure that your money and mine has a powerful effect. It's not stolen in administration. It's not stored up in some place. It's not pinched by some people on the ground who are unscrupulous. I make sure it gets there. And I send people and go there myself to make sure they got it. This will work. You will transform lives if you choose to exercise your power to do so. Oh, I lost some friends now, Pastor Matt. They say, why do you ask for money? Well, why not? I'm not asking for myself. I don't want your money. I'll go get my own. I got a job. I'll earn my own money. I'm not asking for your money for me. I'm asking for people who need it. Not for me. I don't get anything out of this. Why shouldn't we? I see on the news they criticize us because we ask for your tithes and your offerings. That's true. That's true. And they criticize us because we have a meeting like this where we ask for your money to help the poor. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But no one criticizes people who give and join the Collingwood Football Club every year, do they, about the amount they spent on membership fees? Do they? Nobody criticizes how much it costs for you to go to Crown Casino and bet on the, and shove money into those gambling machines, do they? No, of course you're not. Nobody, nobody criticizes you for how much you waste on booze or cigarettes or anything else. Nobody criticizes you for how, much, how big your television is. Nobody criticizes you for all the other things you spend your money on. And those ridiculous amounts of money you pay to go to a concert to hear somebody sing for 45 minutes, for goodness sake. It's obscene. Nobody criticizes those things. Only if you dare go to church and choose to give tithes. That's evil. No, what's evil is what some of those rock bands charge you to listen to them. That's evil. What some of those football clubs want to charge you for a membership. That's evil. Yeah? Come on now, let's think properly. Why do I ask you for money? Because it gives you the opportunity to exercise a power that will give you significance and be life-changing. That's why. That's why. It's our power, but it's our privilege. Jesus tells us this because, you see, the whole life of Jesus was about helping us to understand that we need to be helping other people. He talked about loving your neighbor. He talked about helping the needy and the poor and the fatherless and the widows. He talked a great deal about this. It was a major part of his ministry. And he tells a parable in Matthew chapter 25 where he says that I, t I truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. That's a core, a core principle in the teaching of Jesus that, that, that you have a privilege. You have the privilege of giving to Jesus himself by giving to those who are in need. When we give to the needy, we give directly to God. Listen to what it says in in the book of Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. It's as if you give directly to God. That's amazing, isn't it? I find that astonishing that when I give, I'm giving directly to God, yet I'm not. I'm giving to one day and one day is going to help somebody over here, but God says, thank you for giving that to me. I didn't give it to you. I gave it to that poor lady in that village. Yeah, but you gave it to me. That's awesome. And that's rewarded and blessed by God. And remember, you'll do, it's not about how much you're giving here. It's not a competition. It's just 
Are you going to do what he said is your power and your privilege to do? But also, I think it's your responsibility, isn't it? Because Jesus tells us a story, and someone said, well, who is my neighbor? Trying to get out of their responsibility, they said, well, you know, who's my neighbor? I would have thought the neighbor was at least the guy living next door to your house. But anyway, they said, who is my neighbor? I want to know my neighbors. And Jesus then told them the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that parable tells us that our neighbor, the person that we are responsible to help, is someone who is a foreigner to us, someone who is a stranger to us, someone who may have a different religion to us, someone who we actually might detest, yet we have a responsibility to help them in their need. It doesn't matter what religion these people are, because we help Muslims, we help Buddhists, we help communists, goodness, we help anybody. We'll help everybody, one of our teams, and I love this, and I hope that some of your money will find its way there. So you may want to talk to Matt and tell him you don't want your money to go there. But, but one, one of our teams, they go down to southern Thailand, and last year they put on a Christmas party on Christmas Day. They gave up their own Christmas Day. They put on a Christmas party for prostitutes in southern Thailand. Isn't that amazing? See, they've never had a Christmas, they're Buddhists. And they think that this is just a Christian thing where Christians give Christians presents. And then when you give them a present, they say, nobody's ever given me a present in my life. And you explain why you're giving them a present, what Jesus Christ came for as a child and what he achieved. See, it opens the door of the gospel because of what you did. It's more than saying, it's doing. It's preaching by doing, not just by saying. We go into all the world and preach a gospel. It's a waste of time if it's just words. We have to put in a practice. One of those prostitutes had a birthday recently, so they took her out to a coffee shop. Um, you can imagine how much work she has to do to earn a coffee. If you think about it very carefully, that's pretty awful. So they took her out for a coffee, and they bought her a little birthday cake. And she wept in the shop and said, I've never had a birthday cake in my life. This is a girl we don't know how old, maybe 17, maybe 18. She's been in prostitution for three, four years. That's what we can do. We can change lives. We can show the love of God. We can open their hearts to the gospel by showing them love and kindness. Jesus said after teaching about the Good Samaritan, go and do likewise. I thank God for the missionaries that I work with that are going and doing likewise. You'll see a story later on. I cry every time I see these things because I am so proud of them. But I also see the power of what we can do when we have people over there who are willing to make great sacrifices gives us the opportunity to exercise life-changing power by supporting them in what they do. But also you have a motivation to give, don't you? Because the scripture says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes the poor will be refreshed. That's God's promise. If you need any other motivation, I don't know what it could be, but God says when you do this, I will bless you. And Pastor Matt said it before, and I will, I, I will agree with him wholeheartedly. This church is based on its generosity in helping the needy around the world. The, the primary reason we are blessed is because we have been giving to others around the world. Amen? That's the reason. 
So what will happen? You see, we've had building funds in the past, but we've never stopped our giving. We've had appeals for all sorts of things, but we never stop our giving to help those overseas. We've kept doing it. And because we've kept doing it, God has kept blessing us. There is blessing in giving. So if you need a, a bit of a personal motivation, let me tell you, God will bless you as you give. He will. That's his promise. I need to finish up. Gone too long. I want you to share this vision with me because there is a vision in this. And the vision is that we can see the enormous number of people who are in need. And honestly, let me be frank with you right now, you're not going to change the worldwide statistics on poverty. You will make zero impact on the statistics. This thing's just so big. We could all sell our houses and our cars and still have no difference on the statistics. But you see, we're not here because of the statistics. We are here because of the individuals. We don't want to change the stats. We want to change a family, an individual. That we can change. That we will be changing today. And oh, you'll wake up in six months' time and see, look, the statistics haven't changed. Let me tell you, dozens of families have been changed. Multitudes of people's lives are different. Whole communities have been transformed. And the stats don't change, but we change people. There's a story. It's an old story. You probably have heard it before. It's not original to me. I read it somewhere. Who Somebody read it somewhere else. But the point is, there's a story of a man who's walking along a beach. It's littered with starfish. The tide has receded and left them stranded on the beach. And as he walks along, he picks up a starfish and throws it in the water. And he walks further and bends down and picks up one more starfish and throws it in the water. There's a guy coming the other way, looking at him, doing this. Stop, bend down, throw, walk, stop, bend down, throw. And as the guy came up to him, he said, excuse me, he said, what are you doing? And the guy said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm rescuing starfish. I'm getting them off the beach. They've been stranded here. They're going to die. And the, the guy looked at all the starfish on the beach, and he said, you know, you're not going to make a difference. So the guy bent down, picked up a starfish, and threw it and said, I'll make a difference to that one. That's what we're about today. We're going to make a difference to the one. And we have that power. So don't withhold the power that you have to do good to those who deserve it. It's in our power to help them. And whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, the Bible promises. This is our opportunity. I hope you'll join with me. And if you've never done it before, why don't you do it now for the first time? Again, I'm not asking you to do a budget and figure out what's the maximum amount you can give. Forget that. I'm not asking you to go home and sell anything. I'm saying you have the power. There is something you can do. And whatever it is that you can do, do it now and transform someone's life. Can I pray with you? We thank you, Lord, for this amazing, awesome opportunity we have today that people just like us, ordinary, normal people, that, Lord, you've told us that we have a power that's almost beyond our comprehension. 
We have an ability. We have a resource, though it seems insignificant and small to us, that if we use that resource by giving to those who are in need, it will have a powerful effect upon their lives. Lord, I pray for each one of us today that we'll make a personal sacrifice, that we'll give where we can one day salary. And if not, we will make a personal sacrifice the best to have our ability so that for a short term we may be inconvenienced, but Lord, for a lifetime, we will transform the lives of others. Help us to understand our power and use it for your glory and for your kingdom because we give today to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.